So today we are talking about solo travel versus travel with a companion. Or a group of companions. Or a group of companions. Or 500 of your closest friends. <laughs> That's how I like to travel. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, bus caravan. Yeah, right. <laughs> And somebody holding a stick with a flag. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's oh, my favorite. Yeah. There's nothing I love more than following the nice lady with the orange umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I hate tours. I, nothing against tours. Sometimes it's the only way you can do something. Like sometimes the only way to tour to see a location is by tour. Like it might not be open to the public otherwise, or it might be such a fragile thing that you have to be in there on a tour. I get that. And in those cases, of course, I'll do the tour if there's no other option. But um, I really hate tours. I always need more time. I always want more time. Mm -hmm. I always want to really see a place and maybe draw it, take pictures, whatever. And so whenever I'm on a tour, I am the last person to get back. They're always waiting for me. (laughs) I'm always being chivied along and I just can't stand it. Plus the whole like milling around with a bunch of other people and following somebody. What are your thoughts on like audio guides? Hate them. Really? Yeah. Because then you can do it at your own pace at least. True. True. But I, if, if you've ever well, we haven't done a lot of traveling together. No, nope, we so haven't. You probably, Not yet. You haven't seen my juggling act that I do. So when I travel, I am carrying, you know, I've got my bag slung over my shoulder. I have my big camera, like my big SLR camera in my hand. I have a phone with me for like quick snapshots or um, sometimes if I want to shoot a video. And I have my sketchbook and pencil. So I'm already juggling like wow. six things yeah. at all times. And an audio guide is just too much. I can't. Yep. I can't okay. handle it. I get that. If I could download what's on the audio guide later and listen to it at home, I would love that. If somebody did, if somebody offered that, I would be into that. Some places do. Okay. Yeah. And I know like Rick Steves, you can do that. Oh, Rick Steves. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to listen to it later while I'm like processing the trip or huh. while I'm finishing up sketches. It'd be like an audiobook. I could pop that business on and be like, oh yeah. Right. That's true. Um, but in the moment, I mean, I feel like when I've listened to them in front of the piece that I'm looking at at the museum, I really do get a lot more out of the experience. Yeah. One time, a few years ago, my husband and I went up to Victoria, BC, and I had been up there before, but not with him. I went up with a friend a couple of years previous. And so this is the first time we'd gone together. And he usually I'm the one who makes most of the travel arrangements for whatever reason. I, I like doing it. But this time we booked through the Clipper. So he booked everything. And they, the deal, like for like 10 bucks or something extra, they threw in a tour of the Butch Art Gardens, which I also had been to, but not in the summer. So we went and I thought, oh... I'm I'm going to get real cranky about this cuz it's a bus tour <laughs> up to the Butchart Gardens and it it was it totally made me cranky cuz of course the gardens are beautiful but it's the sort of place that you don't want to get chivied along on a tour mm-hmm. like it's the sort of place you want to go and spend several hours and right. do things at your own pace and what I ended up doing which is what I often do on tours that I'm allowed to do this is I just kind of let the tour go on ahead and then I go at my own pace mm-hmm. and I just remember to meet people back at the end um, if there aren't priceless works of art 
at risk, they, I mean, a garden Usually seems they like a good place to, to try that. Yeah. 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 But still they were everyone, where is she? Blah, blah, blah. And of oh. course I was the last person back to the bus <laughs> and I'm kind of running and, and so it's just never ideal mm. for me. And I, I mean, my husband meant well, it was, it was the best option for what we had. We didn't have a car. We couldn't just go up there. Butchart right. Gardens is not right in Victoria. It's a 20 minute drive away. So yeah, sometimes they're a necessary evil. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that got me thinking, I have been on some tours. So I went to Israel in 1997, I think. Oh, wow. And we had to have guides. I mean, mm. had to. Mm-hmm. We also, we were on a bus that had an armed guard with us, like Uzi level wow. armed guard. Wow. And that took some getting used to. Yeah. And we honestly never had any trouble with any anything, so I don't Where, know if it was the presence was of the Uzi. Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. Or? Um, yes, and yes, oh, wow. and then we went to Jordan as well. And oh, wow. what was interesting is we had to switch guides. It had to be a Jordanian guide wow. taking us through, and it was such a noticeable difference because the guide that we had in Israel became part of our group really quickly. Like he was just warm and wonderful and we wanted to hear what he had to say. And the Jordanian guide was there to do his job. And I think essentially make sure that we didn't get kidnapped or something. So the experience was completely different with him because nobody cared. Like we knew he didn't care about us. This was his day, you know, and then he was done with us forever. Um, And it really felt that way. We also knew that he was getting kickbacks at every place that he took us to, you know, every place that sold rugs or whatever they were selling, he definitely got a kickback and as did our Israeli guide. Um, but he was really upfront with us about it on the first day. He's like, just so you know, I will get kickbacks. So yes, please buy rugs. But he was just so low key about it. And I think the demeanor of our group changed too, based on the, the tour guide. Yeah. And it was a little frustrating to not be able to go where we wanted to go. We went to Petra Oh, that was our main. I'm so yeah. jealous. Yeah. I want to go so bad. It's amazing. And this is not a great time to nope. try to go. <laughs> I, although, I mean, when we went, it wasn't a great. Like, it's there's yeah. never really a great time. Is there a great time? Yeah. Yeah. I hope that there will oh, be. I hope very yeah. very soon. It's, but it was it was beautiful. It was stunning. It also was not the kind of place that you want to explore off the beaten path. Like, and that I understand. That, I've been yeah. places before as well where. It, it probably wouldn't have been a good idea for right. me to go off on my own. And, and usually I can kind of read that. And that's often why I, when I do on the rare occasions that I do choose a tour, sometimes that's the reason why I lived in Italy for a year as a student and it was not, but it was not your typical study abroad program. It was a full immersion. And hmm. um, I went to art school and so it was, we had all of our art history classes on location mm-hmm. like, and our professor's name is Ezio. He's phenomenal. He was one of the best teachers I've ever had. And he led tours of these places. We, but he also understood that we were all artists who wanted to take the time to look at where we were and spend time drawing. And so he built in time to everything where we'd all kind of gather around him and he'd give us the, whatever the talk was about whatever we were seeing. And then he'd give us time to wander around and draw and (sighs) photograph or do whatever we were doing. He'd say, okay, don't go past this point or, Hmm. you know, he knew he was hurting cats. Yeah. But he, he gave us the space to do that and it was fantastic. And plus he was, it was different than like an audio guide because he 
he knew us all personally. I mean, it was a small group. It was 30 people. And we had a relationship with him and he was telling us this stuff about about whatever we were seeing, but it was different than the rote memorization or the mm-hmm. program on an audio guide. And, right. and I think that's kind of the best of both worlds. If I, I have had a lot of experiences with kind of a private tour guide, and that's totally different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that private tour guide is just a friend of mine who really knows the area well. And some of my best travel memories are when I've gone somewhere with a friend who knows me and knows what I like and takes me somewhere specifically to see the look on my face when we get there and then tells me about it. That's the best thing. Cause that then I can be amazing. sitting there freaking out and taking photographs or drawing or whatever, but I'm still learning something. Mm-hmm. And this is someone I care about. And this happened to us when you took me to the neon boneyard oh, yes. in Las Vegas. And that's the kind, and that was a tour. We had to do it on mm-hmm. a tour. She still gave us a little bit of time to take photos. And then I was there with you. This was a place that you knew already. So that was kind of like the best tour experience I could possibly have. That was really fun. And part of the enjoyment for me was watching you freak out because I knew you would love it. Yeah. So it was really fun yeah. to be able to like watch you, I don't know, absorb everything and take meticulous yeah. sketches and pictures and everything. Well, and there are times when I play tour guide. When I lived in Rome, I had a friend come and visit me. He was living in Greece at the time. And uh, so he came for a week and he had never been to Rome before and I wanted to show him around. And I purposefully took him on um, these circuitous, winding, narrow alleyway streets because each thing that I wanted to show him, I didn't want him to be able to see it from a distance. I wanted it to be a surprise. And (laughs) Rome is a great city for that because there's so many narrow streets Mm -hmm. and so many different ways you can come at things. So I would never tell him where we were going and he totally trusted me. And so we'd round a corner and there'd be the Pantheon or we'd round another corner and there'd be some other surprise. That's so cool. He loved it. I bet. It was great watching him enjoy the city Mm -hmm. this way. And it was, and we kind of didn't encounter any other tourists because we were going on these, you know, tourists tend to not want to wander down the little narrow alleyway because right. they're afraid of getting lost or pickpocketed or whatever. But I, I lived there, so I felt perfectly comfortable doing this and I knew the city really well and it was just such a great hmm. experience. So what did you do when you weren't in class? I was out drawing all the time. Um, basically, I, I tend to be an early riser anyway. Um, so I was like, probably the only college student in history who got up at six in the morning but I used to get up really early and I'd go out and draw and then we'd have class like we basically had two classes we had immersion Italian and then we had um, art history and the art history classes we had two days a week were lectures in the building where we lived and then on Fridays we would actually go see the thing that the lectures were about that week Hmm. Um, and then we had Italian also twice a week and then the rest of the time was just independent study being out drawing, doing whatever artwork you were doing. So I spent a lot of time just out exploring. And it was the only time in my life that I've had no other responsibilities. Hmm. And I was just out seeing the city every day for 10 months. Not not counting traveling elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Did you have a pattern or anything that you were sort of seeking out when you explored on your own? I would kind of go... Yeah, I I kind of did, I didn't know it at the time, but I kind of followed a pattern that I do now, which is like, whatever I'm interested in, uh, that kind of becomes the theme. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when that friend was visiting from Greece, 
he was really interested in seeing the Egyptian obelisks. And at the time, there were 13 Egyptian obelisks in Rome and only like five in Egypt. And I knew of some of them at the time, but I didn't know where they all were. So I thought, huh, that sounds like a good quest. And so we spent a whole day running around the city trying to find these 13 obelisks. And some of them were really easy to find. Some of them I knew where they were, and some of them were really hard to find. This was 2002, so you couldn't, it wasn't, you couldn't just Google whatever you wanted. Hmm. Uh, it actually the dark took, ages. Yeah. <laughs> Google was around, but it wasn't. It was, we didn't have smartphones to be able to access it. Yeah. 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 So huh. it took more doing to find it. So there were a few that were on like private land and we had to ask permission and it was just such a great day. And that's the sort of the way that I work. So I'm like, oh, today I'm going to go see if I can find that statue mm-hmm. that somebody told told me about. Or today I'm going to go see both Bernini's ecstasy sculptures. So there usually be some sort of theme. And then some days I would just wander and I would say, well, what's now? I haven't gone this direction yet. Where does this go? I tend to do the scavenger hunt model. Yeah. And what I look for often is food related. So oh, nice. as I'm reading up about a city or wherever I'm going, there will be a restaurant that has a particular dish or I'll go on Instagram, which has been actually very helpful to my travel um, to be able to see these pictures of, you know, places that I may want to go and then sort of determine based on that. But I, I do love seeking out some specialty food item that at home I probably wouldn't touch, but there I have to do it because I only have this one day and this one chance to experience it. So actually in Rome, um, I went to Trastevere and I know that that's probably not how you say it. Trastevere. Trastevere. Yeah. (laughs) I can't do it. It means like across Across the Tiber. So Trastevere. And I was seeking out this restaurant that did, um, what's the... (laughs) I keep thinking cannoli. That's not it. The calzone. Oh. They did a calzone with ricotta and Nutella together. What? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I had to awesome. get that. And what actually happens quite often. So my husband and I did, we have traveled a lot together. We've had kids more recently. Yeah. And so the travel has been <laughs> reined in to some degree. It's just, it's different travel well, but now. You also travel. Yeah. I mean, I have not, I don't have kids, so I don't have that experience like, like you do. It's, it definitely changes travel yeah. to bring kids. Um, so I find myself doing more solo travel mm-hmm. the way I used to before I met my husband. Um, because just, you know, time constraints and also it, it costs a lot for four people to go somewhere. Yeah. And arranging childcare if we don't want to take, like, it's just a and whole thing. And there's no reduced airfare for, no. unless it's a babe in arms. Yeah, it's, babe in arms is free, but that only lasts till they're there's two. There's no, like, and kids under 12 fly oh, half price. There's wish. no such thing as that. That'd be great. Yeah, no, that, that does not exist. It just gets real expensive. <sighs> so consequently, I travel by myself for yep. certain things for short periods of time. But um, what Eric and I developed while we were traveling was kind of a system where we, we travel well together. We have kind of the similar, a similar interest, similar interests and also similar level of curiosity, mm-hmm. which I think is really essential when you're traveling with somebody. Yeah, definitely. Like if you're, yeah, if, if you're in different levels if of If you're the with curiosity. someone who's totally bored, that... Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've gotten really good or at... Or if they're really excited and you hate it, it's not great for them either. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So 
we generally like the same things, but over the course of a few days being somewhere, so in Rome, we had identified things that interested just us and not the other. Right. Um, so that last day we were like, you know what, let's just do our own things. And yep. it was fantastic. Yeah. So I went to the place that you said really well. Trust everybody. Yes. And to get this <laughs> calzone. And, you know, along the way, discovered all kinds of things that yeah. I wouldn't have based on, like, guidebooks and stuff. It oh, was just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just well, wandering to get... Well, in a city like get... Rome, where they never tear anything down, like, it, it's really made for that. Mm-hmm. Because all the guidebooks in the world can't possibly tell you everything. No. Yeah. I mean, it was just the environment. It was the atmosphere that I was looking for. And I like having these arbitrary goals, you know, like it's a calzone. That's my goal today. And, but on the way to that calzone, I saw so many things. And then I came back to, um, Campo di Fiori, Mm. which I think, didn't you live there? I lived actually, that L that you're talking about, I lived halfway between Campo di Fiori and Trasevere. So I I lived just across the Trasevere bridge. And, um, so if you had like, if you headed the other direction in a straight line, it was a five-minute walk to Campo de Fiori. Okay. And that was where I did my produce shopping every couple yeah, of days. Yeah, it's so amazing. And yeah. I, we hadn't been there yet. And so I wandered back across and ended up there. And I was looking at the stalls. And um, we had phones with us at that point. This was t- 2010. So I think we had smartphones. Okay. Um, oh, I but remember we had- when you guys took that trip. Really? Yeah, because I, re- I remember Eric asking me for a few recommendations oh. before you guys left. Wow. Yeah. But we hadn't been there, and I needed to go there before we left the next day. So I'm looking through the stalls, and I get a text from Eric, and he says, where are you? And I said, Campo di Fiori. And I know I'm saying that terribly. I'm sorry. Um, and he said, so am I. That's or That's where I am. Weird. Yeah, so we ended up after this day of splitting up and doing our own thing in, the same, in the, place. the same place without even organizing it. Like it just happened. That which I is thought was so pretty amazing. Great. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're good. We're good travel buddies. Cause yeah. we clearly like the same things, yeah. but, but we've also applied that to, um, subsequent trips where if we're somewhere for a few days, that last day is sort of reserved for independent travel like we just do our own things and I kind of love that so and it's nice to be with somebody who is okay with that you know who doesn't feel abandoned yeah um because that wouldn't work with everybody so I just got back from a I did a 25 day solo road trip up and down the coast you've heard me say this 25,000 times (laughs) since we've been getting together but one of the things I did the one of the few splurgy things I did, because I was mostly trying to be budget conscious, it was a month on the road that adds up really fast. It still was expensive, even with all of my careful planning. The big splurge that I did was I spent two nights aboard the Queen Mary in That's so Long cool. Beach. I didn't realize you stayed on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It was awesome. It was completely awesome. It's very, the walls are very thin because it, you know, it was a <laughs> ship. So it, oh, they used yes. to rely on engine noise to block out sound and okay. actually it was the perfect sound barrier before but the engines aren't running now mm. so unfortunately you can hear absolutely everything and there was a noisy family in the suite next to me no. and there was like little kids running around and oh, I, was, I was a good sport about it but I didn't get any sleep <laughs> the first night um uh. but part of the queen the part of the joy of staying in the queen mary is wandering around the ship and seeing all the things and some things are just open you want to try every door because some of them might be open and um <laughs> 
I got to wander around in places and some things you have to do a tour for, some things are open, some things you can't get to. Um, but one of the great things there is the bar, the observation bar up at the top. It's the original bar from the ship. It's all done in this 1930s Art Deco style. Wow. It is so beautiful. It's it's around the prow of the ship, so it's curved. Huh. Or I should say it's it curves around like where the forecastle of the ship is the the forecastle, which is like oh the front goodness. of the ship. Okay, I only know a few you of my know ship a terms. lot of words. I know a little bit. This is this is, you know and, I don't, and I don't know if this is technically the forecastle or if it's below the forecastle. Okay, I don't, yeah, but it's in the front of the ship. It's in the curved part where all the windows are, and so the bar curves to to parallel that curve of the front of the ship. Hmm. So it's all done in this like there's this curving balustrade and a balcony, and then the bar itself is curved. It is so beautiful, and I was in there drawing and. I really wanted to sit at the bar to get that vantage point, but I knew if I sat at that bar, some yahoo was going to strike up a conversation with me, and I just didn't want to do it. I wanted mm. to be drawing. And so instead, I picked a little discreet table for two up on the balustrade, so I had this great view of the curving balustrade, and I kind of had a little chat with the my my server. It was a young woman. I said, you know, I'm just here drawing. Can I place my order now? And you kind of bring things throughout the evening is it okay if I just stay here she says yeah that's great and she just took care of me oh that's cool she there was like minimal of chatting she knew what I was doing I knew what she was doing I left her a good tip at the end and everybody was happy and nobody bothered me it was Hmm. fantastic and there were some like loud rowdies at the bar so yeah I don't, I still don't like eating by myself when I'm I don't out. either. I, I oh. either, so I either have to make it part of my mission, like my scavenger hunt and, and sort of like if it's tell a special myself, restaurant yes, or something like, that you know want to see. I am going for this one particular dish yep. and, you know, I'm going to take this entire table up by myself, which yep. is still a very hard thing for me to do. I know that people learn how to do that, especially if you're like a business traveler. I think you just have sure. to come to terms with like sitting at a big table by yourself while people yeah. are waiting in line to, to get in. That's the part that yeah. gets me. Um, but yeah, if I have this goal that I can sort of like zoom in on, then I'm much more likely yeah. to do it without feeling weird. Yeah. And when, when there's a group like, I, by the time the evening rolls around, like I, I don't do a ton of drawing at night because mm. the light and I'm usually tired by then. Mm-hmm. And if I'm on a road trip, I've been driving all day. So I'm kind of done by the evening. So that's when I like to have like a good meal with a group of people or whatever. But yeah, the eating solo thing, I, so I'm, we are both in our mid thirties. Uh, I may be closer to late. Okay. Well, <laughs> I am. We are, we're, in late. we're not like the, I don't know. I, I keep thinking that I've aged out of the girl getting hit on in a bar age, but it's not true. And I, so I travel a lot alone, often solo road trips. And it, it often, it will mean either I have to go eat in a restaurant alone or I have to do sad takeout in the room for the 15th time. (laughs) And when I do solo road trips, I try to space it out. Like I try to I'll eat out like for special restaurants that I really want to try. And I feel like it has gotten better. Like I'll say, it's just me. Do you have like a little table somewhere? Mm -hmm. And usually they'll accommodate me. Um, I have strategies. I'll bring stuff that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. So it looks like I'm like a business traveler, which I technically am. Right. But I also will just, I'll bring a sketchbook. I'm often mistaken for a 
reviewer, oh, a restaurant sure. critic. Like it's happened Ooh, so many I times. I you get extra good I food have, It has happened. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's wonderful. And it's just because I have my sketchbook out and I'll be sketching, but they think that I'm taking notes about the food. And then I've had people bring me extra stuff. Like I've had <laughs> servers like be super nice to me. And like, I usually in that case, like I'll tip like really well, I'll do like a 50% tip or something like something ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> but, I, and I've had other diners, they'll be like, are you, are you a restaurant critic? <laughs> I'll be like, I'm not, I'm not. I just have a sketchbook. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, but it has happened to me where I, usually if I'm in like some small town or something, and like some like gross guy will come up and be like, why are you looking, why are you all alone? Why are you looking so sad? Uh, and I am like so done. Yeah. Younger me who is like socialized to be nice and who is shy and, you know, would, would like try to be polite while I'm feeling uncomfortable and miserable. And now I'm like, I'm not sad. I'm working. Go the hell away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, what about this? Like woman eating alone screams, you have to come and bother me. And it, it makes me so angry. That, yeah. And it still happens. I'm 35 years old and it still happens. so gross. So that's part of why I don't like eating alone. Uh, That still happens often enough that it makes me really upset. We had talked earlier about traveling alone as a woman and if that's impacted like what you do. So, I mean, in your case, yeah. Yeah. I like had a little chat with the the server. Well, and and you didn't sit at the bar. Didn't sit at the bar and sacrificed that image I could have made at the bar, but you know, it's like this, what am I willing to put up with? What am I not willing to put up with? And sometimes it's a gamble. Sometimes I, sometimes I throw a caution in the wind and do it anyway. And then there's no problem. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, I meet people who are nice travelers like myself. I am usually pretty antisocial when I travel alone because I just want to be alone. Hmm. But sometimes I meet nice people and I'm okay with that. And then sometimes it goes wrong and I get some (laughs) stupid drunk like hitting Uh. on me. Everything's an adventure, right? And everything is part of the process and Mm -hmm. everything becomes part of the story you tell, good or bad. Hopefully most of it's good. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, I've I've not had any problems traveling alone. Hmm. I mean, mostly, knock on whatever this table's made of, (laughs) (laughs) knock on MDF. Yeah. Um, Mostly my worst troubles when I've traveled alone have been things like car trouble. And and that can be bad enough sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really find traveling by myself at this stage in my life liberating because I'm not a mom and I'm not a a wife or a graphic designer like all of the the titles that become baggage to some degree like you're you've you've aged out of obvious student I'm definitely not a student like all of these things just go away and I'm just me and I can really be present I think in a way like I can interact with people in a very a momentary way. Yeah. And I find a lot of joy in those interactions. So when I went in March to Vancouver Mm. by myself for the Vancouver Fashion Week, which is a thing and it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, fulfilled all of these like childhood dreams of sitting on the runway and like, it was, it was really cool. Um, But while there I met people just who were sitting next to me, who were by themselves. Yep. The one lady, um, her daughter was one of the models. Oh, cool. And she was just really outgoing. So we just sat and chatted. I don't know what her name is. I have absolutely no idea. But we had a really great time together. <laughs> and then at one point, she had to go and get something and I saved her spot and vice versa. So that was really helpful because otherwise you're just kind of on your own. Yeah. 
but it was really fun. And I think my trip was so much better because of those interactions that I had because yeah. I was by myself and it was sort of forced to have them, you right. know, like if you were with a companion, you'd be putting your energy into talking yeah. with that person. It would, and it would be clear to everyone that like, we're, I'm already occupied here. You're part of a set already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was really fun to just be there as myself and see what happened. Yeah. And yeah, I think, uh, I really enjoy that that yeah. part of solo travel now. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate it a lot more than I yeah. did earlier. What I kept running into over and over again on this trip was I tried to stay, whenever possible, I tried to stay in like small indie, either B&Bs or small hotels run mm-hmm. by individuals. And I stayed in Mariposa, California, if that's how, if, if I'm saying it right, it's out, it's right outside of Yosemite National Park. Oh, okay. And it was, I actually had never been to Yosemite before, which is kind of crazy because really? I'm like wow. the national park queen. Yeah, I'm surprised. But I hadn't been there before. Huh. And, um, and I only got to spend a day there and it, it was at a time, it was in the spring. So only the valley is open at that point. Like the roads through the mm-hmm. park weren't all open yet. So I could only have a limited experience anyway. So I felt like this was a good, like first introduction to it. Um, the night before I stayed in this little town at this, I'm blanking on the name of the place. Maybe I could find it. Um, but it was, it's like the oldest hotel motel in Mariposa and it's all done on the honor system. It what? is. Yeah. When you show up, if you get there after four o'clock, which I did, um, they just write your name, like the office is closed, but they write your name on a chalkboard with what room you're on, your room you're in, the key is in the door, everything's unlocked, you just go in there. And that's how everybody, that's how they've always done it. Whoa. And it's great, this tiny little town. And some people, like you read their trip advisor reviews and some people are like, I'm from Manhattan and I would never do that. That's so unsafe. <laughs> and, and the owner of the hotel always says, well, this is the way we've been doing it for 25 years. Oh, wow. And we've never had a problem. And, huh. you know, and I love that sort of thing. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was charming as heck. And this mm-hmm. is the sort of town I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not worried about people ripping me off in this town. And so, you know, stayed there and everything. And then the next morning I went in to grab a banana from the little <laughs> continental, continental breakfast. Yeah. And the owner was in the room and I struck up a conversation with her and she said, well, are you staying for the full breakfast? And I said, no, I've got to, I've got to get on the road. And, and she asked me where I was going, what I was doing. And I told her, and she said, are you doing this by yourself? And I said, yep. And she said, good for you. Hmm. And every time I meet like lady proprietors on the road, like they all say that they yeah. all are like, good for you. That is fantastic. Yeah. I never get the whole, aren't you, aren't I'm you scared? I'm actually amazed at how many people travel with like a spouse who is seriously not into it. You know? Yeah. Why? Why do that? Yeah. Why do that to yourself? Just why go. do that to them? Yeah. Yeah. I often think that like while shopping. Like save travel for the thing you're both really excited about. Mm-hmm. And then go And then by go yourself. with a friend or go by yourself. Yeah. And because I'm ornery and opinionated and... <laughs> And I like to travel the way I like to travel. And now, I mean, I've only gotten more so as I get older. Um, I'm pretty picky about whom I'll travel with. And, uh, and and usually, like, it's no reflection on the other person. Like, I might have someone I love dearly, and I know that we're not going to be a great fit traveling together. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, one of the people I can travel with well is my husband. He, um, he But he knows that I'm going to want to take the time to really look at stuff. And we're inter- we have some divergent interests. So we do that a lot where sometimes we'll do it every day. We'll take mm-hmm. a portion of each day and, 
and he'll say, oh, I really want to go see this thing over here, and you're probably not interested. And I'll say, yeah, not really. So we'll split up for two or three hours, and then we'll meet back up. And it has served us really, really well. And we we took our honeymoon to France, and we had, it was kind of funny, We had, one might think of this person as kind of a fifth wheel on our honeymoon, but we had a friend <laughs> with us for part of our honeymoon. We have a very close friend who's French. His name is Gilles. He is probably my husband's best friend. He was living overseas at the time. He's he's a geologist and he's lived all over the world. He currently lives in Sydney, Australia. Hmm. So reason to go there. Yeah. But at the time, he was living in Switzerland with his then husband. He his he's from Le Havre up in Normandy, and I'm probably butchering that name because. Italian's my language, not French. Um, but his parents lived up in Normandy on the coast, and Gilles very graciously offered us places to stay with some of his family, and we had an apartment outside of Paris from another friend, and so we we had all these really great accommodations with affordable or free accommodations because of these friends. And uh, Gilles came up for part of the trip to hang out with us and show us around Normandy. And we had a great time. We got to meet his family, his parents, his sister and her husband, his nephews. But I always wanted to have some time off by myself. So, And then there was one day where I didn't express that very well, where there was something mm-hmm. I really wanted to see and everybody was like, yeah, we'll make sure you get to go see that. But they wanted to come too. And instead of just Uh-oh. going yeah. to see it and waiting for them to catch up with me, I waited until we could all go together. And then I ended up only having about an hour there. And I was Uh-oh. really, it was a museum that I'd wanted to see for a long time. It was to see the um, apocalypse tapestries, oh, wow. which um, the unicorn tapestries are very well known mm-hmm. in France. They're in Paris. These are a, a set of, I think, 54 tapestries that are not very well known it's the book of revelation wow <laughs> woven into tapestry <laughs> and, huh. and they're amazing and there's things like you know skeleton guys on horseback and it, it's <laughs> awesome it's completely awesome and it, you can't just see them in an hour so I remember being really kind of upset that day mm. that I didn't get to see this thing that I really wanted to see so I got better at just expressing well you know, I really love hanging out with you guys, but I'm going to go over here for a couple of hours and then I will meet you. And that, once I got over that, it just was so much better. And ever since then, I've gotten so much better at just expressing that. And if I'm on a travel conference, I'll do the conference things or maybe not do all of them. And then I'll just kind of go off and do my thing. And then I'm much more present when I can come back to the group. Right. Because I've done the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. And I'm not antsy or anxious or upset. I really like how intentional you have to be when you're traveling. Yeah. And it's it's different than daily life. I mean, the idea of a scavenger hunt in my daily life sounds awful. Why would I complicate <laughs> things? But who knows what I would see yeah. on the way to these various... I yeah. mean, I guess my whole life is a scavenger hunt, <laughs> you know, between one errand and another. But, um, but yeah, you have to be so intentional when you travel because you're only there for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And I kind of... I love that challenge. And I think yeah. it makes me better at experiencing life because I have to be more creative and resourceful and just really aware of, of where I am. And so I think I'm like my best self when I'm traveling. Totally. Yeah. And you don't like, I, I'm much better at like here. I think, well, I can just, and I, I'm pretty good at not taking where I live for granted. I'm pretty good at actually getting out and doing stuff, but there's a million things that I still haven't gotten to. And there's that attitude of, oh, I can do that anytime, mm-hmm. or oh, I don't need to be fully present, or I've got, uh, oh, yeah. I've got to remember to pick up milk later, or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, when you travel, I'll actually, you know, at first I'll think, 
oh, I'm kind of too tired to add this to the day. Oh, but when am I going to be here again? And mm-hmm. then I just find the energy somehow and go. And I'm always glad that I did. I'm, the things, the only things I ever regret about traveling are the things I didn't do. Right. The yeah. I didn't get to, the things I phoned in or mm-hmm. skipped. It's the fear of missing out that gives oh, me energy. <laughs> I have such a fierce, fierce FOMO. Fierce FOMO. <laughs> and I have, I have that too, but it's, I think I've tricked myself into believing I will be back to places. I also have to delude myself into thinking that I will be, because otherwise I'll just lose it. Yeah, I know. Otherwise it's just heartbreaking. I have lost it. I've had nervous breakdowns while traveling. (laughs) So the story that I always tell people is when I was living in Italy, I was up in Verona and I was there on the group tour. So during our year, we took a Northern tour for a week and then a Southern tour for a week. Verona was part of our tour. So the place where Romeo and Juliet is set, um, and I didn't know anything about the city when I went, and I completely fell in love with it. Hmm. It's not one that is, it's not nearly as well known as, people only know about it because of Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. but Romeo and Juliet just arbitrarily is set there. There's nothing about the city at all, <laughs> and the city is wonderful. It's got a Roman history, it's got a medieval history, it's got a Renaissance history. It's fantastic. And for whatever reason, I just fell in love with it. And I was out drawing. The weather was terrible. It was pouring rain. A, a pigeon pooped on my paint set. And <laughs> I just I remember that set. day vividly. <laughs> and, and I remember like huddling under awnings, trying to sketch in the rain to keep the rain off of my sketchbook. And, um, hmm. and the rest of the group gave up on me long before. They were like, well, we're done for the day. We're going to go back to the hotel. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And I ended up staying up all night, just wandering around the city, drawing in the dark, in the rain, um, trying to see as much as I could street by street. And at about three o'clock in the morning, my, you know, tiredness was catching up with with me and I couldn't do it anymore. And I remember um, I had a calling card in my purse and I remember going up to a payphone and calling a friend back in the States and I just kind of lost it. And I'm like, we're we're leaving in four hours and I can't, I'm too tired. I have to sleep. And I, why do I have to sleep? And I'm never going to see the city again. And when am I going to be here again? And the friend kind of talked me off the ledge and said, okay, well, you'll be back. Just save it for another time. It'll be okay. And I still have never been back to Verona. I have not been back there, but not yet, but I mean, right. there's, yeah. But I have to, I have to think that way or mm-hmm. else I'll just lose it. Right. So it, it's always different when I travel alone. The pace is different. Hmm. Um, I can't do as much by myself because I'm not, I have to do everything. I have to be the navigator and the driver and the yeah. planner and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to do less when I travel hmm. alone on a road trip, but Sometimes you can do more by yeah, yourself because I you can go at your more. own pace rather than right. trying to be considerate of someone else. I don't think I've taken a solo road trip at least anytime recently, but so if I'm somewhere by myself, I just, I'm going the entire yeah. time. I come back exhausted and totally refreshed. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like I'm that way too. Inspired and refreshed I'm in my soul and <laughs> in my, in my creative soul. Yeah. But um, I think I meant I do fewer miles in a day. Oh, gotcha. I, yeah. yeah. If I'm traveling with my husband and we switch off driving, like oh, we yeah. can do 800 miles right. in a day. You no can problem. cover a lot more territory. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, but we both actually, when we travel together, we tend to pack things in too. Mm. We both, we both are energized by travel. Yeah. So yeah, we always need a vacation from our vacations. That's, I know. <laughs> actually, we debate sometimes like, is this going to be a trip or is this a vacation? Because they're, they're two different think, things. I don't think I've ever taken a vacation, if that's I, the definition. Like, I'm not sure I've ever done it. There's one place that is perfect. And there is one place that has been a perfect combination, and it's an island. 
off of Puerto Rico. And I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but it's called Vieques. And it's Mm. small enough that for half of the day, I could be a beachcomber or just like hang out at the beach, completely slathered in sunscreen. completely. And I, even so I got really burnt. Um, and then the other (laughs) half, like do some exploring on the island and they're really, there were not that many things. So I left feeling like I'd accomplished everything, you know, like I hadn't left anything unseen, but I also got beach time and it was amazing. I don't think I've ever had such a perfect combination and been able to leave, you know, totally feeling satisfied on both fronts yeah so I think for me I have something similar it's also on an island oh really Um, yeah (laughs) so the San Juan Island is possibly my favorite place in the whole world a friend of mine owns a place up there and so uh, frequently I go up and stay sometimes I go by myself I've taken friends I've um, I've gone with my husband we've taken his relatives up there Hmm. um and and I'm going up there with the friend who owns it uh, in a couple of weeks so that we can get stuff done. And it's kind of the perfect combination of things because uh, there, there have been trips when I've gone up to the San Juan Islands and I've been like, okay, I'm in explore adventure mode and I'm going to pack <laughs> everything into every day. And today we're going to be on Orcas Island and t- tomorrow we're going to be on Lopez Island and it's totally exhausting. Mm-hmm. And the, the plate, you know, the, the place up there where I stay is just a, place where I crash at night and then there have been other trips where we've taken family members and we show them a little bit around the island but that mostly we're just hanging out mm-hmm. and then it's relaxing but my favorite way to go up there is when I have a project to work on which is what I'm doing when I go up in a couple of weeks I'm working on my book and my friend will be working on a project of hers as well and it's great because like a vacation there aren't that many distractions so you can focus on getting work done mm-hmm. but you can also take a break and go sit on the shoreline and watch porpoises leap in the water. And I ended up going up there back in January. Um, I was there during the inauguration because I could not, I could not deal with the inauguration. So I went up there and I actually wrote my entire book proposal up at the island, most of it while sitting on a picnic table on a cliff Mm. beneath a lighthouse looking out to sea. Wow. And it was completely amazing. Hmm. Um, so like I got stuff done mm-hmm. and I felt refreshed at the same time and it felt like I was having an adventure, wow. like you said. So yeah, yeah that's probably the closest huh. to a vacation. I guess that's the closest to the ideal vacation for me. Like yeah. I still want to have adventure, but it'd be nice if I could get home and not get sick from like pushing myself <laughs> too hard. I know. I've come home kind of battered. Like my body is very tired and I have yeah. blisters all over my feet and yeah, yeah. but and when, when my I'm happy, husband and I, I'm real happy oh yeah <laughs> me too and my husband and I will plan these um road trips together and we'll completely overdo it <laughs> we'll we'll be like well we have we have 11 days that's enough time to go all the way to the bottom of Texas and back and then see 25 national park blah 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 yeah. so so we'll have these crazy you know 900 oh, yeah. mile driving days and <laughs> You know, I have so many stories of like pulling in to a, a hotel at one o'clock in the morning and vaguely registering. This is such a cool hotel, and then like collapsing <laughs> on a bed and waking up at six in the morning. Uh, and so, I, I have a lot of stories like that too. And we kind of push ourselves, and so we end up pushing each other. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, we planned our honeymoon. Well, actually, we planned our honeymoon to not plan it 
because oh. we were so exhausted from planning every aspect of oh, our wedding, a wedding. Hello. that we thought, okay, let's just get to Thailand and then we'll see how it goes. But we also, in the back of our heads, thought, okay, but we're going to do Cambodia and Vietnam and uh, <laughs> These Kuala are like Lumpur, whole countries. And maybe not- even some Singapore in there. Like we had... It was crazy. It was crazy what wow. we thought we were going to do. And we ended up only doing Cambodia in addition to Thailand. Okay. And that was completely doable and wonderful. It's hard when you can think of a whole country as there. I mean, it, you're looking at it. that part of the world and you're like, oh, but it's so close to this and this yeah. and this. And we should do it while we're there. And then we got there and we're like, that was that was a really yeah. dumb plan. Like, that's yeah. not going to happen. So, Mary, if... If you had to choose between traveling alone or traveling with either a companion or a group, do you have a favorite? I have to say alone. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> I love you very much and I love traveling with you. But yeah, I love traveling alone. I think it brings yeah. out the best things in me. I, I think if I don't have a choice, like if I, I guess if you average everything out, I guess my favorite is to travel alone. But I think if I could have a choice of who my companion is and how the trip goes, I think sometimes those can be the best travel experiences as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think my ideal is traveling with somebody who has their own interests and we split off as excited about travel as you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have traveled with people who aren't that excited about travel and they're like, why are we here? Oh, that has happened to me. Yeah. That's, that's the wrong group to travel. Yeah. (laughs) Wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. So having somebody who is similarly excited and is totally content to do their own thing and then getting together for meals. So I think my answer is, and I call people like that, my travel soulmates. I have, Mm. I have a couple of them. I like that. Um, My husband is one and Mm -hmm. my friend, Mary Alice, who we'll, we'll have on the show at some point. She's a travel writer. They are two of my travel soulmates. So I think my answer is the best of both worlds for me is the ability to alternate between solo trips and traveling with one of my travel soulmates, Mm. because then when I'm traveling alone, I can appreciate traveling that way. And also right. I can remember, oh, I, I liked this better when I was with so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. And then vice versa, when I'm, with a, when I'm traveling with someone else, I can appreciate how much of a treasure it is to travel alone. So yeah, that's I think a very good having answer. the contrast is the way to go. Always traveling by myself would, would not be as enjoyable. Now I'm feeling bad about my initial like solo, only solo. No, I think that's <laughs> completely valid. If you if mm. if your best travel experiences have been alone, or you know, it maybe you love traveling with Eric, but it's still maybe traveling alone is this special treat for you. And I yeah. I kind of see it that way. When I I mean I get really excited when I travel with other people, but there's something really special about hitting the road alone. Mm-hmm. And I get so I'm so happy, especially like early in the morning, I've just hit the road. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is it. Yeah. I have very few, very few opportunities to be completely alone. So you really days. cherish so I them. really do like that yeah. because I, I, I can, I'm in control of everything, including the music. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what should our toast be? I think we should toast to the solo travelers out there. Yeah. Because we are a different breed. I think we march to our own drum mm-hmm. and and sometimes sometimes it can be a little daunting to travel alone whether if it's just walking into that restaurant from asking for a table for one or stepping outside your comfort zone I think even if you're not afraid to travel alone I think there's a little bit of bravery or chutzpah that's required yeah. so I think to all of the solo travelers out there wherever they are this is for you <laughs> cheers cheers <laughs>